Today's guest and my very first guest happens to be my father, Harold Roof. Uh, throughout my life, I've been fortunate to know many great men, and I consider my father to be the greatest. Uh, I'm going to have him on several more times to talk about a number of things, but today he is here to talk specifically about uh, some of his time in Vietnam. He was an infantryman with the 2nd Battalion, 14th Infantry, in the 25th Infantry Division of the United States Army. He was awarded the Bronze Star, the Air Medal, the Vietnam Cross of Gallantry, the Combat Infantry Badge, to name just a few of his awards. He was also a tunnel rat and served uh, time in a recon unit that was known as CRIP, which was the Combined Reconnaissance Intelligence Platoon. He just turned 75 two days ago. It has a lot of interesting stories from Vietnam. Uh, these are just a few of those. So here is episode number one with my father, Harold Ruff. Please enjoy. You're the first guest that I've ever had on here. Oh. So, so this is... Uh, this is my first guest, uh, Harold Ruff, who is my father, and uh, today we're just going to talk about a lot of different things. Um, primarily, we're going to get into your uh, your Vietnam service, Okay. which uh, that's how this whole thing got going anyway, is uh, several years ago, uh, I wanted to get your, your Vietnam service. I wanted to have a family record of it, because you and I had kind of discussed in the past how we we come from a military family that goes all the way back in this country, at least to Zacharias Wade, who fought in the Revolutionary War. Right. Uh, we hit the Revolutionary War, the Civil War, uh, World War II. I think we might have missed the War of nineteen twelve, but we or don't 18, know for 12, sure. Eighteen twelve, yeah. Eighteen twelve, yeah. yeah. Well, you, every once in a while, you got to sit one out. I guess. <laughs> yeah. Um. But anyway, based off of uh, us sitting down and doing that, which that was a, a visual recording that we did. It was not just audio. And uh, <clears throat> got a lot of positive feedback on that. And a lot of, you know, of uh, friends and family had heard it. And then, you know, other people from that had kind of said, you know, you ought to start a podcast. And so really, you're, you're the main reason that this whole thing is going. So, <laughs> and, you know, and if, if I do five 10, 15, 20 episodes, and that's it. Then that's all we do. But I want to record some interesting stories from interesting people. And you certainly fit that bill. So, well, I hardly think so, but thank you for the opportunity to be in the first one anyway. Well, yeah, you know, appreciate uh, it. Yeah. And, and, it, and it really does, Dad. It means a lot to me. So, um, let's just get in early life. You grew up small farm south of Tower Hill. Mm -hmm. uh, you were born in 1948. Right. So the primarily your growing up was in the fifties and sixties. Right. Um, what was that like? Uh, as far as like the, the time frame, you know, um, what was, what would you say the general life was like for people at that time in this area? Well, yeah, a lot of people pretty much, uh, lived off the, uh, uh, the places they were at. I mean, big gardens, canning, homemade bread, stuff like that, you know. Uh, 
our grandfather he had cows, but I don't I don't I think he always had to sell them because he couldn't afford to eat them. You know, right. <laughs> you needed yeah. you needed the money. Yeah. So, but no, uh, 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 cars and you know old roads. Uh, you know, out in front of the old home place there, where the garden used to be. If you turn on west, mm-hmm. there used to be a big uh, mud mire there. Really? Oh yeah. Yeah. And how how far west past the old place? Oh, it just, well, as you turn into the lane, probably 20, 30, 40 feet. No kidding. Yeah. Yeah. People get stuck in it and people put boards and, you know, they'd dump gravel and then they start doing oil roads. And that was kind of interesting because they grade them up one day and they'd never let you know. They grade them up and then it was like a rocky road, you know. And then they'd come and oil it. Well, in those days, too, they'd let that oil sink in for several days. So you had to walk in and walk out. So Dad, every morning before he even got to work, had to walk three-quarters of a mile to get to his vehicle. And if I look back at it, I think it's interesting because none of them vehicles were ever broken into, you know. Just a different time, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. I, I, re- I remember talking to you one time, and I, I don't remember what we were discussing, and something about money came up, and you laughed. You're like, well, nobody had money. No. Yeah, r- rarely did people even lock their doors because, you know, the only thing to steal would be a, some uh, food and and uh, probably dad's shotguns, you know. Yeah, they're just— <laughs> There's no money in the house. And, and you knew everybody because there wasn't as many people. Right, right, and, you know— but, of course, we lived, uh, had a grandma and grandpa early years, and then later on an aunt and uncle and a grandma and grandpa down the road. And then, of course, you knew everybody. So for a stranger, would happen to be there, you know. But I remember a lot of salesmen, too, would come by. Uh, the Fuller Brush man, uh, I think it was a Raleigh guy, you know. Now, Raleigh, was that the salve? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, well, they had other things, you know. Mm-hmm. But the fuller brush salesman, and uh, that's about all I you know can remember at the time. But uh, it was interesting time. I mean, it was something to get your first bicycle. Sure, you know. I, I remember mom talking about you know. Of course, she grew up poor as well, um, and for Christmas she would get shoes. Yeah, you know, and and I think you know, I look at like my children. Well, how I grew up was different. Sure. How they grew up was different. And then how my grandkids are I mean, just as far as the amount of toys and, you know, the amount of available, you know. Sure. Uh, yeah. Well, it's funny because in the summertime, I had an older brother, Larry, and uh, sometimes I could get into his shoes. But we didn't get shoes in the summer for the most part, especially if he was growing, you know, because school's starting. So they saved up and got, so you saved got, you up get, to get it, yeah. Right. And back then, when we used to go over to Painted to get uh, stuff, uh, uh, it wasn't sacks then. It was they would pile all like blue jeans and the shirts and everything, and they'd tear off big brown pieces of paper and had twine, and that's how they'd wrap it up, and you'd carry it down the road like that. I'll be going down the street. Yeah, there wasn't no sacks hardly. I, I never even thought about that. Yeah, and brown sacks come in. Oh, I'm sure they had them earlier, but painted didn't, you know. Right. I'll be darned. Uh, a lot of wild game. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. 
well, as far as wild game, it's not like it is today. There, there were no turkeys. Right. There never no deer. But uh, there was lots of rabbits, squirrels, quail, and occasional pheasant where we lived. And then you, you ate a lot of fish, too. Yeah, yeah. And that's a funny thing, too, because back then, a two- or three-inch bluegill or sun perch, it it went in the—but <laughs> Dad, he'd spend hours doing that, and would eat them little sun perch, tail and body and all, because they ended up, the way Mom would fry, it would taste like French fries almost. Uh, yeah, I remember. But only the fish flavor. Sure. You know? So it was, it was different. Yeah. And uh, bullfrogs would gig them when the season was right. Yeah. Which frog legs for people who haven't eaten them? They're 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 pretty darn good. Well, that and the wild ones are better, right? If you have wild ones and then you go to the tame, uh, yeah, it's just not the same. But right. you know, it is what it is. So, <clears throat> pretty rule, uh, poor rule upbringing. Yeah, um, we we weren't as poor as some people, but you know there wasn't a whole lot of money to go around. You know, it was right after World War Two. You, you you were never hungry. Never remember it, no. Yeah, I, I was thinking, well, you and I, I don't know, it's been a while back, but we were discussing that. I don't know what it's like to be hungry, yeah. or, or, you know, true hunger. Right. Yeah, I, I've never in my entire life not known where my next, I always knew where my next meal was right. coming from. Right, And I can't identify with the fear, the anxiety that that would bring. So right. so you were yeah. poor, but you, but you guys always had food. Right. But, you know, uh, Poor people did. Like I say, they canned a lot, you know. Grapes, uh, well, you made grape jam or jelly, you know. Well, of course, your parents grew up during the Depression. Oh, yeah. And Grandma had grown up in Oklahoma. Yeah. Uh, you know, the Dust Bowl and... and uh, yeah, yeah. So, you know, I, I remember think they my... Knew, they knew what They hunger. knew hunger. I remember my Aunt Helen, which later on became a doctor in nutrition. And uh, she said that when... She would go to school, her and her brothers and sisters, that they would have um, uh, homemade bread and lard that had sugar on it. That's all they had to eat. And she said sometimes that lard was a little bit rancid. But, you know, there's proteins and carbs and, you know, everything and fat and everything there. But she says, so that's why she got into nutrition. Right. So. Yeah, it kind of gives you a you know guideline how things could have been you know. But for us, no, we never was hungry. Of course, you know, as a young kid, you're always hungry. Well, sure, <laughs> right? Know? Yeah, yeah. You know, you just go till you can't go, and then you're so hungry or thirsty, you come in and you're right. You know, you needed a drink two hours ago, but it, it didn't dawn on you. Right? Yeah, yeah. Nobody carried a water bottle. Heck, when we was kids, we'd even drink out of the creek. That's where they had fertilizers. Mm-hmm. The only thing you had to worry about was a. Uh, a dead cow laying in the stream or, or something. Sure. You know? Probably wasn't the healthiest, but if you're used to it, your biome was probably, you know, and you probably got a little waterborne illness from time to time, I'm sure. You know? Oh, well, back then, too, uh, we had an outside privy or an outhouse. Yeah, you grew up, there There was, now, did you have electricity? Yeah, I had electricity. You, you always had electricity, right. but you did not have uh, running water in the house. No. You had a hand pump. Right. And you had no... Uh, indoor plumbing so when right. you, you in just our, the kitchen sink right but when you had to use the the bathroom you had to go to an outhouse right and i remember you talking about <laughs> when you're young and uh, it's the middle of winter and you got the flu how horrible that well, is or even if you ain't sick as you got to go out 
and uh, there's one flashlight in the house, and Dad wouldn't let anybody else use it but him. <laughs> right, of and course. And so you'd have to sneak, go out the back door and walk uh, oh, about 25 yards to get to the privy. And, you know, some nights it's totally dark. And, uh, and boy, you sat down on a cold seat and scared to death. Sometimes it's hard to get your business done. Oh, I, <laughs> I can only imagine. <laughs> but yet, not really. Yeah, you know, well, sure. Because you want to get back in. But, yeah. yeah. Um, now, I think the, the answer is probably fairly obvious. But do you think that's, I mean, it has to be a huge part of why the generations have gotten... Now, I don't want to just say weaker, but I think weaker is probably the best term as far as dealing with adversity. Because you guys from a, your whole generation of, I'll say, people that grew up in, in the the rural areas of the country in the 1940s and 50s, and mm-hmm. and uh, there wasn't money. And, and, I mean, little things like that you don't think of. From the time you're, you're a young kid, you got to go out in the dark to go to the bathroom. Right. So you're battling monsters the whole way there and the whole way back. Yeah. Uh, well, I suppose so. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you yeah, know, in your it, mind, there's a fear, you know. Sure. And you just, but you got to do it. Right. Yeah. 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 Interesting. And only only uh, entertainment in the earlier years was just the radio. Uh huh. And then, uh, uh, well, you listen to the Lone Ranger and oh, well, the Green Hornet, or I think it might have been Dick Tracy or something like that. I forget all of them. I remember you said when you got your first set, the very first show, you guys would race home. Yeah, and 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 it was only three channels, but only we could about get two of them, mm-hmm. and uh, watch a lady cooking. Yeah, and just <laughs> enthralled with it. Yeah, yeah. And then, and TV shut off at twelve o'clock at night. Yeah, because everybody's got to get get a good night's sleep. Sure, they never thought anybody stayed up after midnight. I yeah. don't know. Yeah, or, or they couldn't hire the help. I don't know. Well, I can remember even in in my day that it was um, they they'd sign off with the national anthem every night. Yeah, they'd yeah. sign off with the national anthem and then it. Oh it yeah, just, you'd have that screen with the yeah yeah. Um. Okay, so you're growing up in that environment, Vietnam is is a thing you're watching it on the news you're hearing about it was there was there a point when um through high school it's building up it's building up by the time you graduated i think you pretty much knew that you were going to go is that safe to say yeah yeah you were the youngest male child Mm -hmm. in the family and you knew it was just a matter of time before you get the letter from Uncle Sam that that says, I think you told me it said, congratulations. Oh, it does. Yeah. Yeah. I wish I'd have kept that. Yeah. You know, I thought, you know, when the folks passed, maybe they had it, but I think I just might have thrown it away. Yeah. Well, that's... that's... Because I I had it made at the time. I had a a car, a motorcycle. I had a job at Caterpillar. You know, my future was bright. Sure. (laughs) You know. So Uncle Sam calls you up. Uh, You you go, you're 19? 18, I think. 18? Okay. I, I forget. Eight, 18 or 19. I think, yeah. And um, you go to uh, your basic is in Fort Leonard Wood. Mm-hmm. Uh, how, 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 what were your memories of, of uh, getting to basic training and, and. Oh, uh, well, it, it's interesting. We, uh, we met over at Shelbyville, Illinois. Okay. And uh, all the kids my age, in fact, there's one guy I worked with, with Keith Barnes. And uh, uh, I worked with him at Caterpillar, and uh, I might occasionally known a, f- a few other people, but not 
not to any degree. He was the only person that you knew. Yeah, and even though it's out of Shelby County, you know, you thought you'd know more, but you know, didn't. But anyway, uh, took a bus down to St. Louis and and uh, did our physical and and uh, off we went. You know, so, I, I remember going out of that re- reception center. They call it. You know, that's a heck of a place because you know you run around in your underwear half the time. Oh yeah, getting uh, probed in places that you're really not accustomed to. <laughs> yeah, right. And uh, so it, it was funny, but we got on the bus to to go to Fort Leonard Wood for training, and uh, there was a bunch of old hippie looking guys, and there's one guy. Uh, looked like a, a college professor, but a young one had on the old round spectacles and a suit and a tie, and you know he's looking like Dapper Dan, and they're saying, "Hey, you don't have to go. You know we can send you to Canada." And, and of course, we're getting on the bus, and this guy, they're handing out literature, you know, and and uh, I says, "I don't need that. I can't read." <laughs> and then he, uh. he he just stopped, like he. Hey man, yeah. they're drafting guys that don't even know how to read. They can't even <laughs> read, man. Yeah, you know. Uh, which, uh, uh, of course, obviously I did, but you know, sure. that's just how the leftist policy, you know, their mindset was. Right. Know? Yeah. Yeah. You know, they're only only the dumb kids go. Right. Yeah. Right. And that <clears throat> might be some truth to that. Well, I don't know, I don't know about dumb, but but certainly uh, uh, unconnected. Right. You know, if, if you got the right last name and your daddy's in the right occupation, you're not going to go become an infantryman in Vietnam. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You get to uh, basic. Uh, yeah, well, Fort Lambert, they call it Fort Lost in the Woods. And, of course, it's a, it's a mindset that I wasn't really prepared for, even though my father had been in and, and a lot of uncles, you know. But, uh, of course, you know, they they're wear you down. And I screwed up right off the first day, going getting my bedding and the sheets, and you got more stuff really than you can carry. And so they stood in a formation and said, "Okay, I want to see one pillowcase. I want to see one blanket, or two blankets and two sheets." And all of a sudden, boy, I got this made. And I got to it, and all of a sudden, I didn't have two sheets. <laughs> well, there's <laughs> drill instructor. He was walking by and, and uh, behind us as we're doing our halfway march to, you know, our barracks. Sure. And uh, so that first night I got uh, put up for, well, then later on he said, well, you know, go up and you tie a white towel around the edge of your bed. And and then somebody had to go get toilet paper. So uh, screw-ups, we had to go get the paper, toilet paper, and then we come back. Well, I have my hands full of toilet paper, and here's a uh, uh, officer. And they says, "If you see an officer, you be sure, you know, sure and salute." And I said, "All right." All of us, you know, well, you don't say all right, you know? right? Yeah. But anyway, and and uh, so I see him, and so I shift all the toilet paper to my right hand, and then I salute him with my left. Oh boy! And boy, that's about the biggest oh, military no no you can do. Oh yeah. And uh, and it ended up he was from West Point, and I'm sure just got there. And boy, I got a good ream in that. <laughs> but then he showed me the proper military protocol, to, right? To how to do it. But right. I, you know, I thought, boy, right off the bat, you know, 
we ain't getting along with these people yeah. very well. <laughs> and you, yeah, and you don't want them to know your name. They always, you know, the, the advice I had from you and like you said, you know, grandpa and, and, you know, when I was growing up, all the older men, whether it was my uncles, grandparents, or just older men in the community, everybody, it seems like. Not everybody, but a, a vast majority had been in, and everybody's got advice. And it was always when you graduate basic training, you don't want them to know who you are. If you can just kind of, and so day one, they know who you are. Right. Yeah, so yeah. you're kind of caught behind the eight ball. Right. Right. But um, you complete your training. You're trained on the M14 rifle. Well, through basic, yeah. Through basic training. Then, then you're, and uh, so your AIT was in Fort Ord, California. That's correct, yeah. And to be an infantryman. Mm-hmm. And when you get to AIT, you're trained on the the new weapon, the Eugene Stoner weapon, the M16A1. Mm-hmm. Right. So you had to switch weapon platform, which you've always been a good shot. You shot expert. Um, mm-hmm. And so now, but now you've got to switch to a different weapons platform. Right. And what was your, when you first got your M16, what was your first thought of it? I couldn't believe how light it was and the small bullets. And I thought, yeah, well, I thought, I mean, yeah, plastic and yeah, it just didn't, it didn't feel like a rifle. Right. But I sure enjoy carrying it because it was so light. Sure. Know? But then we got to to the range, you know, and you got to shoot it. And, and uh, I placed expert. Yeah. And uh, I was, then all of a sudden, I, well, you know, and then to fire at full auto. Of course, this old country boy, you don't, you know, no, that stuff's around, and that was kind of neat, you know. Sure, and, and that's back in the days, you know, you could burn a clip and uh, real quick, you know. Of course, we only had twenty round clips starting out. Now everything's thirty, but right back then it was. And I, I, I find it interesting. You refer to them as clips. Mm-hmm. When I was in, it was magazines. Mm-hmm. You, we would never refer to it as a clip, you know. Mm-hmm. Um. So you wrap up, and I remember what you tell me one time. AIT is when things kind of everything kind of started to click for you. Yeah, the whole, the whole soldier and the whole, you know, mm-hmm. it was everything was kind of falling in line. You're you you got it figured out by then. Mm-hmm. So now you you do you come home for? I, I can, if I as I recall, I came home for eighteen days. Okay, so you come home, but you know, next stops Vietnam. All right. So I imagine that was it was good to be home, but in the back of your mind, man, I can't imagine what that's like knowing where you're getting ready to get. And you and you were in Vietnam from 1968 to 1969. Right, it was rocking then. It wasn't. I mean, it, it the full the war had built up. It was it was going strong. I've I've heard that before. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, so you you knew when you land in Vietnam, and you walk off the plane right what can you remember what your sense what what oh yeah um it felt like a hundred percent humidity and a fishy moldy smell and uh of course you're getting off the tarmac and then way in the distance you know after we got off the plane and you know they haven't really fed us much you know had snacks on the plane and maybe one meal Uh uh-huh but that's a long flight, you know. Sure. And uh, so we went to an Air Force mess, and as we're getting ready to get out, I don't really remember what happened that first night, but anyway, uh, where we went. I think we got on trucks, because that was in Tonsonut, I think, where we flew into. 
and it Ta- Tonsonetta Air Base. You're right. Okay. And then uh, I heard some booms in the background, and there's this one you could tell an old timer, and I said, "What's that?" You know, because I don't want to believe it. You know, right? It was booms, artillery going off, and he goes, "You know what it is, right?" And uh, I said, "Well, damn it, yeah, I guess I do." <laughs> and this is supposed to be a, a relatively safer area. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, so it was something else. So now you're in processing then for I don't know several days. I would guess uh, we well we went week. to the 25th division, and then uh, there was five day orientation. Okay. Uh, I guess, first of all, to get you used to the climate. Right. You know, and then, uh, you know, the do's and don'ts and, you know, all this and that. Sure. And wasn't even, uh, uh, those five days, uh, we never had a weapon, you know, which I were, because then when you're at division headquarters, there's, there's fire going out on occasion, you know, and, uh. Of course, we didn't have to pull no guard duty or anything like that because, you know, we're new guys. And you were assigned to the 2nd Battalion, 14th Infantry, yeah. and that was part of the 25th Infantry Division, which right. is, uh, of course, the movie they did, uh, they did the movie Platoon on on that division, which, you know, we don't even have to get into all the inaccuracies. In that yeah, movie. I know well, you hate, thank you. You yeah, hate that movie. A bunch but, of BS there. Yeah. yeah. But so, um, okay. Now you're going out to get with your unit, your platoon, your company, mm-hmm. and everything. So that's an interesting story. Your your first day of 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 going uh, out. Boy, yeah, that day, you know, by memory, really sucks. You know, first it started out like I thought I was pretty pampered. They got me in the gun jeep. I was the only guy that day, and they took me out on the. Uh, uh, well, it's a tar- we call it a tarmac, but it's like a bunch of folded sh- uh, stamp sheet metal. Okay. And uh, it was there for, as an airfield. And uh, I thought, boy, you know, and he says, wait here, there'll be a helicopter coming in to pick you up. And I said, okay, sergeant. And it was our su- supply sergeant took us out, took me out. So I'm sitting there, and all of a sudden, I'm interested in the whole thing because I'd really never seen a helicopter fly, even though we practiced getting on and off of them. But they were just wooden platforms. Just like mock-ups. Yeah, yeah. but it wasn't even, there's was no front, no tail, no nothing on it. So, you know, you really don't know what you're dealing with. Right. So anyway, we got on. I'm sitting there, and all of a sudden, here's this Chinook coming in. And, uh, and boy, it turns around, and. It lands, and the prop blast of them things is just absolutely incredible. So I'm all hunkered down, and and uh, turned most of my other gear in. So all I got's a, a backpack, and uh, I finally got issued a weapon, which I was really pleased to have. Still didn't have any ammo, but, <laughs> you know. That ramp comes down on that Chinook, and the guy goes, "Hey, come on, get on." So I get on, and they ramp lamp raises, and up we go. Off we're flying. We go flying. And I, man, I'm, it's just me and the crew chief that, that I can say, boy, I must be a special person here. Yeah. You know? Oh, yeah. And uh, and uh, we we probably flew for five, ten minutes. It's hard to say. And all of a sudden, they start getting lower and lower. And I'm fascinated by being in a helicopter for the first time. Sure. Kind of spooky, too, in a way. Oh, I bet. The vibration of them things and the noise. But Right. And uh, anyway, they... 
we land and the ramp goes down and and the guy don't say anything, he just points, so I get off, the ramp goes up and it prop brass and they'd uh, cut the, the rice fields and that chaff and everything's blowing around and off it goes. And all of a sudden I look and I look to the front, of course, after everything settled down and I don't see nothing. I look to my right and I look to my left and I thought, man, they dropped me off in the middle of nowhere and I don't even see anybody. So I got up and I grabbed my rucksack and my rifle, and then I heard somebody hollering behind me, you know. And and so I went over. I went over and uh, they uh, told me to. Well, they'd introduced me to. The, it was a sergeant. He'd introduced me to the old man, which I didn't even know what an old man was. Right. What What amazes me is is, is that story when you when that bird takes off. You're looking around and you see no, you see no signs of, of right. life. Right. That that's it was it was frightening. It have to be right. And then you finally saw the little built up area and you thought, well, that's got to be it. So you walk there and then they bring you in and yeah, I meet the old man, which is the captain. Right, which was a company commander. Right. When I was in, it was we referred to it as a battalion commander was the old man. Okay. But when you were in. But um, I don't know. It they, was. They said the old man, and you know, but he was he was standing there in a t-shirt and underwear on. <laughs> so I don't know what I'm dealing with. Right. You know well, what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. And he's got a hooch. And, right. And then uh, and then a sergeant comes in and says, "Well, you'll be, you know, I think, you know, second squad or whatever it was." And uh, guys, it was funny because all of a sudden they started going through my backpack. Well, you don't need this because they issued white underwear at the time. He says, use that to clean your weapon, uh, you know, and there's always somebody to take care of you, but you're a FNG. Right. And I'll let you, everybody out there. Yeah. <laughs> Freak, freaking what, new guy. Right. Yeah. And because, uh, you know, there's no emotional bond. They You're new. They don't know how you're going to act or you're going to shoot one of them accidentally. You know, there's a lot of things going in their head, too. Sure. So you got to prove yourself. But uh, And then that first night, after all that, then they said, well, we're going out on ambush patrol. And so there I am. i got to have, uh, uh, I think I had 15 to 20 clips or magazines. I think around 15 or 12 to 15 probably, and like they're 20 rounders, so I had to put ammo in each one of them, which don't don't take long, but still don't know. And their guys are telling me what to do and what not to do, and uh, fill your canteen up. And then we had supper, and I said, "Hell, you know, I can't eat." You know? Yeah, you're... the guy said, "Well, you better eat something," you know. And so you I, knew you knew before you had you were supposed to eat. You knew that you were going out that night. Well, on patrol. It was getting around supper time, or you know, when right. I said, "Well, well, we got uh, ambush patrol tonight," and then so it got dark, and and uh, we got started outside, started outside the wire because you start out in daylight, and then you go to your, your secondary, and then from secondary you go to your primary, if I, if I remember all that correctly, right, and. Uh, and they said, well, Roof, you're going to be walking point. First night. First night. First time ever going out on a mis- a real live mission. Right. And you're point man. Right. 
tell tell the people why that is. Why why do you put the new guy on point? Well, because uh, they don't care about you. If you uh, trip a mine or something, or you walk into the ambush, right? Then they ain't out nothing, other than they got to pick you up, right? You know. But then there was also I remember you said there was kind of a second point to that too, because they kind of wanted to watch the new guy. It's like number one, they don't care about you. So, right. if, you know, you walk into something, all right, they don't even know your name. Right. But, but it's also to kind of see if this. Yeah, how you're going to react. How did you react? Well, I was so slow that to go into our primary that finally uh, the next morning a guy, uh, our sergeant, our squad sergeant, you know, and he goes, well, why was you? moving your arms up and down like that. And I said, and he says, you start low and going up. I says, well, I was trying to feel for trip wires. And he goes, hey, you might have it together. Yeah. You know? so, of course, I was so slow that, uh, you know, uh, soon they got me away from all that. But. Yeah, but that that was good, I would think. You'd rather be the guy that's coming, and you don't want to be the idiot that's just tromping through, like, you know, no care in the world. Right. Now, you were operating um, the area that you operated in, was um around coochie you were yeah. you were south and west of saigon is that well, correct a little bit south or could have been a little bit north and straight west of of uh, saigon okay coochie and then coochie was uh, a little bit northwest of saigon and where was that it was between coochie uh, and tainit okay um so you're with the line unit for I want to get into Crip when you first saw Crip, but before that, how long were you in country um, before you went down a tunnel, would you say? How how long? Oh, probably probably three weeks when I decided it's something I'd want to do. Okay. I, I met one guy who stayed back one day, and he was a little short guy. Smitty was his name. can't remember it. Uh, first name, didn't know him that well. But he seemed to really have it together, and he was short, and he was going to go home, and he was a tunnel rat, and I, that's cool. And he just kind of told me what to look out for, and you know, and this and that, and and then he went back to the rear, and and uh, I just took over. I think there was another guy or two that might do it, but he was mostly, you know, we just run into uh, around that area, just run into a lot of spider holes. And then you might have, a, oh, be 10 yards apart and there'd be a spider hole, but yet there'd be a tunnel connecting them so that they could shoot from one location, crawl down, shoot from the other, and then make it uh, where they thought you were two guys shooting instead of one, you know. How, how long were you actually in the field doing tunnel rat work before you actually, they sent you to go to tunnel rat school? Oh, probably a month and a half, too. Okay. So so you're already doing it, and then they decide to send you to have the the training on right, it. Right, right. And you, now, did, was, it, was it the 25th Infantry Division uh, Tunnel Rat School, or was it like a U.S. Army Tunnel Rat? It was, uh, it was 25th Division School. Okay. Which was set up. At Coochie. At Coochie, which right. is the largest tunnel complex, I think, in South Vietnam. I mean, there's there's books called The Tunnels of Coochie. Right. And you trained in some of those. Is that correct? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. So, so you're, you're trained, and they trained you to go in feet first, I remember you. Well, I had one sergeant said, well, if it's me, he said, I'd go in feet first. Because if you're, 
going to uh, find a bomb. He said, at least it'll just blow your legs off. And, uh, you know, you still live. And I'm like, well, I'm 19 years old. And I, without any legs, I don't want to live. Right, you know? yeah. I, I just couldn't imagine that concept. Sure. So uh, I decided to me, and that's what I'd always done anyway, to me, logically, if you got your face down there and you see something, then you ain't going to blow it up. Yeah. It, you know, you throw a grenade in or or something and, and you know, just bypass that, you know. I, I think of all the... The, the like the footage that I've seen of the Vietnam War, almost all of them have went in head first. Yeah, I have seen I have seen some that did go in feet first. And I'm guessing maybe they had shined their light and seen there's like a bigger room, so they kind of hopped in that way. You know? Yeah, yeah, well, or it could be a, but, la- a ladder too. Some of them would just depending on 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 where you're at, but sometimes it could just it'd be like a as flat as a yard, you know, uh-huh. a normal yard and. And it'd just be a spiral. Some of them were hidden, you know, with trap doors and all that. And I know um, it's amazing how complex some of these tunnels, they were complete networks. They had factories, movie theaters, hospitals, yeah. underground. Right. Now, I never, uh, in my area operation, I never got into any of that, of that enormity. Although I have been in some big ones, you know. Right. That would... Uh, well, I've been in with ceilings eight to nine feet tall. I'm that, sure, certain of that's crazy. You know, and then and but then all of a sudden you'd think, well, these tunnels are really going to go off, you know, and be in an expanse. Sure. And then it is end in a blank wall. So you never knew, right? You know, I, I remember you telling me that you were in one, which and you were you were too big really to be a tunnel rat. You, I was a little big, you, my shoulders. Yeah, but, you, you were you were. Of course, back then, you know, you're a skinny 19-year-old kid, but um, you were a little bit too tall, and, and, and you had a little bit too big of shoulders to be doing it. And I, right. you know, because I think I read the average Vietnamese man's five foot two. Right. And you were considerably bigger than that. So you're going down. I remember you telling me one of the tunnels that you had went down, you're you're going down, and it's tied any dadgum way, and you work your way however far down you go, and then it just stops. Right. It doesn't go left. It doesn't go right. There's no room. The tunnel just quits. Right. And then you got to back all the way out. Right. Th- that. <laughs> right. Uh, hey, the thought of that. As I get older, I I don't know. I think I'm getting a little claustrophobic in my own in my old age here. I can't imagine that. Yeah. Well, uh, today I I can't stand uh, the tight enclosures. I guess it's better than it. having somebody shoot at you. Yeah. You know. Yeah, but well, I was lucky. I I never uh, uh, run into anybody in all of them that I went in. You, you, but the day I took off, there was another guy that wanted to do it, and he went in. I had a little Beretta twenty two that that I'd smuggled over. <laughs> well, but yeah. anyway, yeah. Well, I re- well, I and, <laughs> and I think it was called the Minx or yeah. something like that. And uh, so, uh, but well, as a sidebar, I, I just I don't want to interrupt you, Pop. We'll come back to that. But do you remember I was. In, in the army when the rodney king riots were going on i had flown home right and i was i was going to fly back to the SeaTac airport and i remember you were like hey i want you to take a pistol because you might run into some trouble getting back to the base and i'm like dad i can't take a, a pistol on an airline and you're like well sure you can i've done it <laughs> of course, you know this is all pre 9 11 and it's right, all you right, know but right. you had you had taken that little pistol we won't we won't get into how 
Um, but you had a, well, I guess it's not that important now. I mean, you, you, you it was a false bottom on a right. shaving kit. And, and yeah, and I'll just say I'm, I was lying. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah we might be, it. Hey, we might be making this whole thing up. Exactly. As a matter of fact, we are. Yeah. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, it was the bottom of my first, or a, a shaving kit. And the box, if you turn the box over it, the, the, it was black. And so I just put that in the bottom and I think I had a shaving brush or something, which we never used, but except to clean our rifles and, uh, and some other stuff to wedge in and other stuff on top. And back then, there was no x-rays or none of that. They didn't search us. Now, they searched us when we came back. Right. But, uh, you know. Which, well, not a physical search, but. Right. Uh, Went through your gear. Right. Yeah. So, so anyway, you started off carrying a twenty two caliber. Right. When you would go in, but then you ended up switching. No, I carried it. Oh. Uh, uh, 22 the whole time because see they in training they said we they had a mark one ruger 22 and uh, but they i think they screwed up there because they had the long barrel like seven eight inch barrel seven inch probably six three quarters whatever and, uh, and they had a cross draw a holster that would go on your belly well i guess that's as good as anything i think to me and some well, I don't know really where. You should, I think a smaller pistol was better for it. Silence would have been, you know, the cat's meow. But uh, most guys carried a forty. Most guys they carried a carried 40, forty-five. But yeah. you carried. I thought you also carried that Chai Calm. That's that. Oh, well, that, well yeah, that, yeah. That seven six. That's correct. I forgot about that. Yeah. yeah. And you traded a black and white TV in Vietnam to get that pistol right it's a little uh toker of right is a chinese knockoff right and and uh which is a knockoff from uh, i think the 1903 george or uh browning patent the genius of uh john moses browning yeah, yes. yes yes who sits at the right hand of the father yeah, yeah. Right. he's uh yeah the prophet yeah, I think, yes yeah absolutely yeah and but i think it's a, a design off of his which uh uh, the the uh, Russians they added a hammer to the back, mm-hmm. and uh, Moses or Browning had it to where it was just an internal hammer. Right. Um. So you're you're tunnel ratting, and you're with the regular line unit at this time, which mm-hmm. which is just means that's just a standard infantry unit. Right. Okay. When did you first see Crip? in action which crip is i'm going to describe that that is a, a reconnaissance unit it's one of the kind of special op units that was made just for vietnam there there were never really before or after and crip stands for combined reconnaissance intelligence platoon and it, it, it was a it was a platoon and i think there was only two of them i think there was the second battalion of the 14th which was the you guys were the Golden Dragons, and then I think there was the, the Wolfhounds. There was a uh, because the book Everything We Had that they did the that talks, which is the only thing I've ever seen that's even discussed a Crip platoon. I, I mean, that's like it's almost lost to history. I'm sure the Department of Defense, you know, uh, has records on it, but um, it, to my knowledge, and I could be way off. I think there was only two Crip platoons. Really, I don't know. Okay, I don't know if the Manchus or the wolfhounds or and there could have maybe there were other i don't know maybe there were other battalions I know when we left uh luqua there was another uh crip unit to come in took our place there and then we moved to ganoi one or ganoi 
and uh, which from there we could see the Black Virgin Mountain. Uh, when we bowed in. Yeah. Yeah. So what was your first contact? Do you, do you remember the first time you saw? Cause yeah, it was uh, getting towards, we'd already had an uh, evening meal, and uh, we're sitting around and, you know, getting ready to, you know, line up who's going to be doing, uh, you know, your rotation on your guard duty and and all that. And, you know, you clean yourself up and your weapons, everything best, make sure everything's right, you know, in case you get hit sure that night and uh, so all of a sudden it it's getting pretty dark and all of a sudden this two choppers come rolling in and all of a sudden there's some guys got off and uh they're, they're wearing black berets and all that and off the chopper goes and and uh, i thought boy i wonder who them guys are well i found out the next day uh, uh they went out and they pulled a raid to get this uh whoever whatever and uh, but they hit the wrong house <laughs> and uh, i guess they had bad intel on that or whatever but, right but anyway i thought well that's something i want to do and then uh, i had a, a a sergeant that was really good with uh, mortars and oh, he could do anything he's just one of them re- really military-minded guy and sharp as heck and uh, i said boy i'd like to join him and he said well he says, they're going to send me. He says, I volunteered for it. He says, I'll make sure you come. He said, I like what you do, Ruff. I said, good. So that's kind of how I got in. And then later on, they just start taking guys, you know, from in-country, you know, right. with no combat experience. But When you were in, it was basically, they wanted to be, want to make sure we're getting guys that are a little bit, they've proven yeah. themselves they're a higher echelon here well yeah i, I guess you could say that well there guys that want to do it if you want to do it you're better at somebody that don't sure. you know right which and as another side note it wasn't until years later the va you found out that your mos instead of just being 11 bravo which is basic infantryman which you still 11 Bravo, but you have an identifier that you were a senior recon scout. Yeah. Or is it, I think they said observer. I don't, I don't, I, don't, yeah. I, don't know. I, I thought There's it was senior like recon that. scout. Well, might recon observer, yeah. Yeah. Which is, yeah, that's, that's kind of cool. Yeah. Oh, well, we, we weren't Rangers or LERPs or right. nothing like that. Right. But, you know, but that wasn't our mission. LERPs are long range patrol. Right. You know, they just played hide and seek. Right. And only shot if they had to. Right. They're there to get intel, intel. and grab right. yeah, reconnaissance. And, and, and uh, we operated. We'd gather intel, and uh, we'd react on it to pull raids, you know, sure. body snatches, the whole bit. Um, well, okay, since you're talking about raids, um, let, let's talk about the, the raid on the, the tax collector. Um, that was the whenever you were awarded your Bronze Star um was for that that raid you guys went after well i don't i don't know that i don't know when i uh what reason i was awarded it. oh i thought that was i thought I it was a, oh okay i don't know huh. um they said on actions of such and such a day but uh our lieutenant got killed so i you know it put me in for it so i don't know yeah you know right well let, let's talk about that raid though um so this guy was a, a was a tax collector Mm-hmm. Um, take it from there. Well, it, it's kind of foggy anymore, but we got to to go up against this one tax collector, and 
And uh, it was weird because uh, all of a sudden, usually we did our own radio communication and this and that and did our own fire support, you know, to call people in. And, uh, you know, we'd, we'd bring our choppers in or whatever. And But that day, uh, we even had extra personnel. Uh, it was a lieutenant, and uh, he had his own RTO, and, and he was just Which is there. a radio operator. Right, and he, he was just there to, to call in air and everything. And so we went in. Uh, we flew low. And we uh, there's air air the air forces I guess is Air Force or Navy one you never knew right but uh, they were uh, attacking uh, a position in front of us and we're flying underneath an airstrike basically so you guys are lower so, to the ground right the um, fast movers are above you right and they're they're hammering the right. area that you're going into right because this you know, guy had his own army basically correct he had right. his own like private security detail and right he was a bad guy right yeah i guess he he was the one that pretty much uh uh controlled about uh all the area tax money and everything you'd see from the poor people around the saigon area up to duqua uh, you know i don't know if he went to tain in i don't know who knows what they're their their mission statement was but right. uh, how far they would reach but that was kind of interesting and uh, our battalion commander got shut down that day and, and then we got uh started getting blast from a couple of different sides and and uh we had to pull back and i that day i thought diaz got killed but uh when we saw this guy you know, sprang up and just started opening up with a pistol on Diaz. And Diaz fell down, and, well, that's the day the— You were touched by God. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, which I won't get into that, but really— We, but, we, we, we will uh, but it, next well, time. Yeah, but anyway, it was just—it was it was uh, a moment. And so, anyway, that, that was the bad guy, and we were supposed to take him, you know— uh, and with considerable risk, I think, as sometimes they would say. Sure, you know? right. And uh, but it was considerable risk. What the heck we was doing? Because the battalion commander was was down, and this guy had, uh, I think, his own company uh, protecting him. And so we had two or three companies uh, fighting them. And our, like I say, our battalion commander got shot down, and everything. And and but he had. I guess pulled off, and that's why we were right on him. And uh, but we didn't get him, but we did get uh, uh, maybe a little compensation on him because the holy called in on. Uh, we put a fifty-pound shape charge in there to help him, you know, understand our situation <laughs> a little better. And that was that was uh, that was that, as they would say. Yeah, I mean, uh, it, but honestly, it'd been better if we'd have captured him. But sure, he's one of them guys that uh, yeah, he wouldn't went down. Right, you know. Yeah, he's only going out one way. Right. Yeah. Um, I remember you telling me that when your point man, which was Diaz, mm-hmm. went went down, which he'd actually just tripped. Correct. He he did not. No. Um, he he was going to fire. But he didn't ha- have shotgun. He was an M seventy nine operator, and he right. didn't have. He had this he, and and so he just seen this guy shooting at him, and he, and he just fell down. Diaz didn't get hit. By, right. by the way, right. But you thought 
he you, was dead. You thought he was dead. And I remember you telling, saying that that was the only time. Well, I don't want to say the only time, but you said you, you were in such a rage that you caught yourself uh-huh. firing. And, and instead of, you, 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 uh, yeah, go ahead. Well, yeah, thanks for because I've kind of forgotten about that. Uh, which, like, which, by the way, you celebrated your seventy fifth birthday two days ago. So yeah, yeah, yeah happy happy birthday. Yeah, thank yeah, you. Son. Yeah, but yeah, it's, you know, there's a proper rifle placement against the shoulder, and I had the foregrip in my hand and the pistol in the other, and I'm shoving rounds at him. I mean, I'm I'm not. I'm not aiming. I'm just pointing. And you I said you were walking towards that position, and it's just like you caught yourself. Like, okay, what what the heck am I doing here? Right. Yeah. And then and then I seen him go down in the hole. Well, actually, he went behind a bush first. And uh, the guy said uh, later on that was standing behind me and another guy that was shooting. Uh, they they thought they said they saw uh, fragments of his body coming off of him. And then he, but then he ran and jumped down in the hole. So you were hitting him as you were hitting you, you, Well, maybe. Yeah. Yeah. So they yeah. say, I don't know. So, um, but yeah, I was enraged. I, I was uh, totally, uh, I bet lost it. I was that angry. Yeah. You know. Well, when you see one of your own guys go down and you're thinking he's down well, for the we've count. we've seen it before, but well, right. it, it, it's just, you know, this shouldn't have happened. And we're, and then we're catching rounds coming into our position too and it's just uncomfortable so that was that was a pretty heavy firefight then well it wasn't like you see in the movies where you got you know a machine gun strafing and then rounds all over you i mean there's zingers and they had collected some m79s for somewhere so we got them popping in on us and we got rounds firing overhead but there again nothing that was really effective as far as you know uh, it just wasn't, you know. Well, one thing that I always admire about um, a lot of men that have <clears throat> been in combat, and it seems like the older generations nowadays, this might be lost a bit, but but certainly men that have, uh, as, as the great Colonel Cooper would say, have seen the elephant, okay. which means they've actually, you know, been in real combat, is how a lot of you guys will downplay it. Like, I think we were talking, um, one time I was talking with Uncle Homer, Uncle Homer, who had been in World War II, was an infantryman, and had been through the Italian campaigns. And the battalion I was in in the Army had been through Anzio, and anybody that knows anything about history, Anzio was a horrible, horrible battle. Yes, I mean, was. it was. I mean, it was, I think, probably just as bad as Normandy. It was just a smaller, there weren't as many men involved in it. But anyway, exactly. and I'd found out that he had... He said, you know, when he went through Anzio, and I just stopped, and I'm like, holy cow, my Uncle Homer, I didn't realize you were at Anzio. And immediately, he was like, I wasn't part of the invasion. He's like, I got there, you know, I don't know, several days or a week or two, whatever it was. Right. He's like, no, no, I was not part. And how it, it the older generations you'll go out of your way like like just you know you're describing this firefight and it's like well it was bad but it wasn't you know i don't want to and i don't know i i just i i I admire that that's one Mm -hmm. thing because it seems like a lot of people um boy it seems like it's getting worse but it's i I say that but there's a lot of fake guys out there a ton of fake vietnam which i think 10 percent i'd read one time only 10 percent of the veterans that were actually in Vietnam were infantry. Now that doesn't mean that they didn't get mortared, that they weren't, you know, exactly. they, they got, yeah. they've all got their stories too. But as far as actually being somebody that's kicking in doors, 
you know, and again, combat medics, they're right there a lot of times with the grunts, you know. Oh. And, of course, the greatest yeah, MOS of all time, the forward observers, you know, they, <laughs> <laughs> which, of course, I was one. I say that tongue-in-cheek, but uh, FOs are there. So there's a lot of people, you know, combat engineers. There's a lot of guys that are seeing oh, yeah. combat. But, yeah. but at the end of the day, it's all about the infantryman. It's about the man with the rifle that's boots on the ground, you right. know. But um, Well, I've heard a lot of people say, boy, I'd hate to be a, a door gunner. You know, on a helicopter, because you know that. Well, I agree. That's that's a, a a dangerous job, very dangerous. Sure, the flight hazards into itself, let alone, you know, getting fired upon. Right. But I think you also got to remember too, that that guy that's firing it and that machine gunner on that chopper is firing back. If he if they fly and get up out of there, they're good to go. Right. But you guys are flying in that to land. Well, yeah. So well, we got to clean that mess up. <laughs> and then you're getting yeah. off the bird. Yeah. It's like we got to do the dishes. Right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know. Yeah. Yeah. That's, uh, you know. And um, But in the same token, I've been, uh, when I was in the crip unit, we might do three flights a day. This uh, hot spots would jump around. They right. never knew where we were coming. Right. You know. So. Yeah. But I got a lot of respect for him, you know. Oh, yeah. yeah. It, it, well, and it's the older you get, it's what amateurs argue tactics, professionals argue logistics. <laughs> I mean, at the end of the day, it's it's logistics, you know, so it it, it's it's all part of the team. But at the same time, that sounds good when you're the guy that's on the front end of it, you know, it's a yeah. whole a whole, a whole other ball game. There's a job for everybody. Right. There you go. Um, all right. I got a few things written down here. Um, let's go with the – the pistol uh the chicom no no the uh special pistol that they brought in for you guys to oh. use yeah uh, well it, it was a smith and wesson looked to be stainless it looked to be on like a 44 frame and not really a, a long barrel i would say two and a half three inches and then at the top of the frame there was like a hole drilled and uh the bullets look to be made out of stainless steel, or, or the cartridges, I should say. Right. And they were flat on top like a shotgun shell. And uh, they said there it was spring-loaded, and then we took apart one of them, and it had a real small primer in it, too, as I recall. And then uh, the pellets that were in it were cut into like a, a stop sign almost. And then they were placed inside this. Kind of octagonal. Yeah. And it, and when you would shoot it, there was hardly no noise. I mean, you heard it. But uh, they sent it out to do tunnel work when, when I was in Crip. Well, we had it for a while, uh, like not quite a week even. I think probably they found out it's probably we weren't probably supposed to have it. We weren't spatial enough. But I did some uh, tests with it, and at the end of an ammo crate, uh, you know, it, it, how they unfold and everything, and you got two ends to it, and they're about a quarter-inch plywood. And right. I set a couple of them up, and I laid down. And uh, you know, about the length of this room, it would shoot through two of them. I'll be done. And hardly no noise. Yeah. And I've uh, got pictures. I I. I wished I'd have taken close-ups, but I do have one with an old buddy of mine holding it next to a chopper. Uh-huh. But uh, 
But yeah. yeah. Yeah, it, it's probably CIA stuff, you know. Right. I remember uh, a, a, a buddy of mine, I, I told him, you know, I told people about that, that pistol before. And um, anyway, he was reading, uh, I think it was something, on, I don't know if it was on Vietnam or what, because that's, uh, how do you silence a revolver? Right. You wouldn't think it was possible. Right. And then he's like, man, he, he was really freaking out. And he called me and he was, you know, hey, I, I just read this whole thing. And I think that's that pistol you were telling me about that your dad, your dad had over there. And, you know, yeah, nobody believed yeah, it. Yeah. It's one of those stories yeah. he's saying. It's like, okay, yeah, sure. Sure. You yeah, did. Yeah. yeah. Uh, well, you got so many posers out there, too. Uh, that, you know, inaccurate information. And, you know, it's well, just, that's one thing. Whenever we did your, uh, well, we did the interview the first time, you know, for our family, basically. Um, yeah. I showed your DD-4, you know, Carter, you know, who, you know, he, the DD-214, your awards, your air medals, your, you know, your bronze star, your, all of that, all your awards to show, to, to, to prove. Because anybody can say whatever they want. And there are a ton of, of guys out there that are, that are bogus. Yeah. Well, like, look how many people are Navy SEALs. Right. What's his uh, Don, like, Don Shipley? Don Shipley. Man, I he love goes that after, guy. and he has like a hundred a week. It's it's almost. it's insane. And here's the other thing, you know, uh, like uh, a, you know, a good buddy of mine. Well, I, I I think Wayne would be okay with me using his name. You know, Wayne Pro is always jokes. I have the the most uh, specialized MOS in the army because I was a generator mechanic. Have you ever met another one? <laughs> yeah. You know, met a lot of snipers, yeah. met a lot of rangers, a lot of Green Berets. But how yeah. many generator mechanics? Exactly. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. And uh, you know everybody wants to be a hero, and and uh, and and you know what? And here's the thing: any of these jobs, it's honorable. I don't care what you did. If you you raised your right hand, you left mommy and daddy's teat. Whether you went to war, whether you you know, it, it to me, it's just okay. You served your country. That's honorable. There's nothing more honorable than that. And then and then you can move up. Then you can say, okay, well, you did this job, or you did this, or you did that. You, absolutely you, yeah. you know i mean guys that are in intel like the deep really you know hardcore intelligence that's pretty cool no yeah. you know um okay i've got a couple more things here uh the bar fight oh. you want to tell the story of the of the the bar fight this this is a good one this is one it seems like a lot of people really get a kick out of well it, it, it's kind of uh it was an unusual day we got two new guys in still was in our crypt unit and uh, turned out almost uh, he'd wanted – we got one guy in. Uh, he was – I can't remember his name, and I won't say it if I did, but uh, he was a, a, our medic, and he was from Detroit. Okay. And ended up, you know, he's kind of a pale-looking kid, just tall and thin, like you know, slim like all of us mostly. Right. But uh, he was a boxer too, you know. Right. Didn't do much in golden gloves, but he knew how. Right. And then had this other kid, and he said, "Well, take him up to, uh, up to the village and let him have something to to drink and show him around a bit." So now this is—I I don't mean to interrupt you, but but your platoon is outside of this village, right? And and so and then within this village is this. Well, we lived in an Arvin compound. And, but our compound was a compound within a compound. Okay. So right. so the compound you lived in was Arvin, which was the Army of the Republic of Vietnam. Right. And then within— We didn't live with Americans, right? Right. You lived with Vietnamese. Right. Then within the Arvin compound, the Vietnamese Army compound, you had your own little 
crip compound. Right. We, we, could de- we could defend ourselves from anything. Okay. Or almost anything. Okay. Yeah. And yeah. And so it was kind of, so we went in and, and, and we had one guy, uh, he was an old timer, his pineapple. I can't remember his name, but he was from Hawaii. Kind of a tall. Fitting nickname. Yeah, and and he was he was a, he was a strong buff dude, you know. Right. Well, I guess he'd been there several times before. He get permission to go to the ville, and uh, <laughs> for the most part, it was a safe village, you know. But he kind of fell for this little bar gal. Right. Well, we're sitting there having a beer, and all of a sudden, uh, he went to go do something, and I heard this noise, and I see. Three or four guys clinging to this one man, and I'm looking, and I can't really believe what I'm seeing. It's him, and he's got two or three Arvin dudes on him. <laughs> I mean, they're, they're they're actually on him. Their feet ain't touching the ground, right. and they're hitting him. Right. And all of a sudden, I start seeing them just fly. Well, I guess one of these other guys of the Arvins, that was his sweetheart, you know. Oh, sure. And they took it. They took offense to it. And all of a sudden, boy, I mean, there's bodies flying everywhere. Right. And, boy, we fought our way out to the street because our gun jeep was sitting outside. And, uh, well, they are paving the road then. We had uh, uh, they hired engineers from the United States to come and build, and build the roads. Right. And so there's piles of white rock and everything. And, right. And I square off against this one Vietnamese guy. And, uh, boy, all of a sudden he throws a kick, and he, he's going for my, my liver. And uh, but he screwed up and used too much of his foot instead of his toes, you know. Right. Proper kick form. Right. And uh, oh God, I you know, I, I might be in trouble here. So we spar a little bit, and you know, I he obviously left. knew what he was doing. Yeah, oh, you could tell he. Yeah, he was a fighter. He, he was a some type of martial arts, right? Because the way he was stepping and everything, it was right. Right. But uh, anyway, so we did a. A little bit more turnaround and this and that, and then all of a sudden I, th- I threw a right leg kick to his groin, and I could feel it through my jungle boots. I could feel something squishing. Oh, man. And he kind of raised up, and when he hit the ground, it was like folding a, a wet towel. It, it knocked him out. I'd never seen that before. Yeah. Or really never heard of it. I, I've heard that it's possible, but I did it. And... <laughs> <laughs> and all of a sudden, uh, this one uh, little Vietnamese guy, he starts grabbing this white rock and throwing at us. Right. And, well, I ain't got uh, – for some reason, we left our rifles in the gun jeep. Right. And I thought, oh, Lord, you know. Right. And so we run into this uh, uh, the little shack, but they're selling stuff, and they got glass counters and all that. And that little Vietnamese guy, boy, he's chucking them rocks in there, and it's breaking – I mean, this uh, guy, our medic, you know, our new medic, and that's just crashing and tearing the heck out of all kinds of things right. in there. And finally, he runs off to something uh, to do some, uh, to help somebody else out, and all of a sudden, uh, old Pineapple, he knocked uh, several people out of the way and right. got up on that gun jeep, and you know, gun jeep, you got to crank it twice. It's a, it's a 50 cal. It's 50 cal, right, yeah. Yeah, which is big yeah yeah it's got a lot of pee right you know? <laughs> yeah and boy when he cranked that but i'm glad he did because there was one dude standing there with a, an ar uh, an arvin 
and he's M sixteen, but yeah, 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 and he's frantic, and he's he's on the verge of getting ready to shoot, because honestly, when we left, I I don't know three or four or five bodies, guys that wouldn't would taken out, not killed, but not right, out. but they're laying. They're, you got you everything got, was fist to fist, right, foot to fit or foot to. But when you're dealing with combat soldiers on right. both sides, because the Arvins, right. you know, right. I mean, there there are friendlies, right. you know, there are compatriots in this right. battle, but um. But yeah, the, it's only a matter of time. And if it hadn't been for that fifty, would it would it have been weird? Right. So anyway, we go back, and I guess the the communication levels because there's a Mac V uh, was in charge of all that, so they'd catch all the radio banner and this and that, and all these GIs are going in and destroying this little village and this and that. All of a sudden, we got three or four Vietnamese officers, and we goes. Roof, you guys get the rest of these guys over here, you know. Right. And so we're lining up in the, the command uh, and control bunker, you know. And here's all these uh, officers, you know. And we kind of. And what rank are they? Well, I don't know. They had all kinds of different right. stuff. But I know there's captains, maybe a major, okay. or, you know, lieutenants, I'm sure. Right. It's, it went up the command. Sure. Close to an international incident, I guess. <laughs> right. I'm and, sure. Uh, and uh, like I say, boy, uh, it, it was a mess. And so finally we uh, saluted them and, and then shook each, each of the officers' hand. And then the Vietnamese left, you know. And, of course, we made apologies, which, you know. Right. You know, what are they going to do to us? Right, you know? right. But uh, so anyway, the lieutenant then, he lambasted us, you know, and, and uh, a barrage of verbal abuse. And, and I happened to be the last first one in. So as he's now, you guys get the hell out of here, you know. And so I'm walking out. I'm the last one to leave. And he goes, Roof. And I turn around and go, yes, sir. He goes, did we win? <laughs> and I go, yes, sir. He goes, okay. <laughs> At the end of the day, how'd so, yeah. my boys do? Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. Did, did we win? Yeah. So, yes, yeah. Sir. yeah. We got them. Yeah. 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 So, uh, you know, uh, that was different, yeah. you know. Yeah. But, uh, uh, well, you know, those things happen. You know, you got different cultures clashing. And, and of course, you know. You're in I the middle know. of a war. Yeah, and you know, and you can throw one woman into uh, a front of uh, 200 men, and somebody's going to get killed sooner or later. It's just a matter of time. Yeah, yeah. it's just you know, See, it's uh, it's human nature, right? Um, well, I think it's just lack of females. Well, <laughs> yeah, yeah. When numbers get a little skewed, back yeah, then, yeah. yeah. Um, how about the night when you waited on two NVA battalions? And you oh. went outside the wire. Yeah, that's when I was with uh, the line unit. This is before you went to Crip. Right. Okay. And uh, we got uh, pulled out to take care of uh, an, ar an artillery battery. A battery, which would right. be a, a company-sized element. Right. And they said that there was a, a supposedly an MVA battalion or North Vietnamese battalion coming through. And we're there to be a blocking force. And when we're exactly a quarter of a mile from the Cambodian border. And you're waiting on, was it like an NVA battalion? Right. Which, for for anybody that's listening, doesn't know, that's you're looking at uh, probably, what, three to 500 men, or yeah. probably, something yeah. like that. Yeah. A, a significant force. Right. And we got, I think, what, six field guns and a platoon of, of us. Whatever it takes to man one of the, it's a mobile unit. So there's probably forty or fifty of you guys. No, there's only a platoon of us. It wasn't even a full company. 
Well, okay, but I'm thinking when I was in a platoon's about forty guys. Was was a platoon? Well, back then was I think it was about thirty some. Okay, okay, so, give or take. So, and then I'm know, thinking the guys manning the gun, so maybe and, forty guys. Yeah, yeah. Okay, of course, the one five fives is what they were. Right, they they bring a lot of pee, but you know that's. Uh, but anyway, so we set up and we started had had an engineering group with us too. Okay, and they helped build. Uh, just simple bunkers with uh, you know the metal, uh, like you know, a corrugated metal. Right. We could build some quick shooting positions, but not much. Sure. It's not you know mostly a little bit below ground, and uh, and then we'd string uh, concertina wire around each one of them, so each position hopefully could man itself, you know, and hold right. on. And uh, and in comes a. Uh, we call them dusters. It's it's like a, a light tank, but they take the turn off, and then they got twenty. I don't know if it's twenty or forty millimeter uh, two, two barrel cannons, basically. You know to shoot. It's like a, they're anti-aircraft guns originally. Okay, but they're using it for anti-personnel. Right. Okay. And and uh, so we're sitting there, and they get in. It's just barely where you could see. Right. Well, we got a, a cane break about. 75 to 100 yards in front of us and then an old uh, a sugar plantation into Cambodia. Right. You can see the old rusty buildings and all that stuff. And so it's it's kind of a weird situation. Anyway, them guys, they were supposed to open up on that ca- uh, cane break to test their guns, but the thing was that they uh, turned them around, turned them on us, and we didn't know it. And so we're sitting on top of our bunker, and uh, we got three strands, two of uh, concertina wire, two uh, on the ground and one on top of that, kind of make a triangle, basically. And uh, they open up, and they hit the concertina wire. There's three of us were sitting on top of this little bunker, and they hit the concertina wire, and it never hurt any of the three of us. And, boy, I, I... I lost my senses again. I grabbed my rifle and I got through that wire. Cause it's one way in, one way out. Right. You know. Right. So I got there and uh, I shoved my rifle and I don't know if it's an officer's face or a sergeant or whoever, but I said if you, well, it wasn't pleasant. I can only imagine. And uh, but they knew that they was close to getting shot, you know, and so they, but the only thing that saved us. Instead of firing more, was that the gun had jammed? Otherwise, they would have killed you. Probably, oh, yeah. I mean, more than likely. Yeah, yeah. So I, I still. And then, but then, then they said, "Well, we want to send some guys out on an LP. That's a listening post. Listening post or listening post. Yeah, that we yeah. we called them LPOPs. Okay. Listening post slash observation. Right. But yeah. And with a, oh man, this is the worst thing in the world. And you were one of them. Yeah. And how many other guys were with you? Well, I I don't know how many throughout that whole deal, but I know there was uh, two or three. So let's say there's... There was usually, there's always two, you know, and sometimes three because you got, you know, you got your radio on. Okay. So in my mind, you've got this huge cane field. Right. Which is perfect for the enemy to move through. Exactly. Then you guys are on this LP. Right, but but and then behind, how far behind you is are the good guys? Uh, about a hundred, hundred twenty-five yards of that. Okay, 
and and but then there's a, a big drainage ditch and that's what we got down in so you're in a drainage ditch. how how far is is the the cane from you oh 15 you know that's you got to climb up it you know it's that, it was that deep a ditch right so 10 yards 15 so they they literally could have three to four hundred men 10 to 15 yards from you on top of you before you could ever ever have a chance to see them right it's a no-win situation and that night they didn't come right and we pulled out the next day and that was funny too because the next day they pulled out and they said well rough get on that last track or it wasn't a track it was a uh, deuce and a half because we carrying the ammunition for the guns and so i start you know, wandering out of way, and then I'm waving at the guys, and then all of a sudden I took off running, and it's the last vehicle, <laughs> and they don't see me. <laughs> so off the road they go, and there I am alone again. <laughs> and I'm thinking, this can't be for real. So I get out, and I run out in the road, and here comes a lambretta filled with people, and I, I, I made him stop, and I got on, and I go, and off he went. Boy, I mean, he's giving her right. all kinds of hell. Yeah. And, and for some reason, they stop for something. And here you come. And, yeah. Yeah. Hey, thanks for, yeah. I, well, you yeah. SOBs. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Didn't you see me waving? Yeah, oh, no, yeah. man. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And how, how far were you from Cambodia? Well, that's a quarter of a mile. Holy cow. Before we set up our, our fire base. Good night. And then we pulled out the next day. So. Yeah. But that that's 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 a freaky night. I yeah. bet that night would be I can't imagine boy, that's just not a good night to get sleep, is it? Oh, you don't. <laughs> right. Yeah. Obviously, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and that's where you're you got your hand grenades closed too, because hopefully you can slow them down enough to but then you gotta worry about getting back to your wire without somebody shooting you right you got to come in both ways maybe yeah oh yeah how about the uh the chew hoy program the first time you told me about this that this mm-hmm. this is to me it's insanity it's absolutely insanity well yeah uh we had uh, one captain one time said that because he had a team that he'd go in. Mike is probably more like a lurk thing, right? And they'd pull special missions too, you know. Mm-hmm. And uh, he says the only reason these SOBs are uh, 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 friends with me is because they know I'll kill them, right? And they could speak English, and they just like ignored him, you know. But they were all uh, Chihuahuas every once in Vietnam, Viet Cong, or um, uh, North Vietnamese. So the program is that we have. The North Vietnamese Army, which was Army regulars, they wore the regular Army. They were part of the Army. Right. The area you were in was, most of it was primarily Viet Cong. Right. Which was kind of like their secret little militia. One day, they're a farmer during the day. At night, they're dropping mortars on you, trying to shoot you, whatever the case might be. And the Chu Hoi program was, you would capture these guys. You would capture somebody trying to kill you, an enemy well, combatant. They would say, Chu Hoi, Chu Hoi. They hold their hands up. And at that point, as it's supposed to go, right. you take them into custody. And then they go back and they spend, they are de- indoctrinated. Right. So whatever the reverse of that is, supposedly. So we and indoctrinate they, them, right. basically. Deprogram and they, them. And then, uh, but they could speak the language, and that was very beneficial. Now they, ha- but when they come back, now all of a sudden they're fighting with the Americans. We're, they're the good guys now. Right. Yeah, you had to watch them. Uh, like, uh, oh, I can only uh, imagine. Uh, special missions would come up, 
uh, they had no knowledge of it. Right. Uh, they weren't informed of it. Right. They just knew we were doing something. Right. And they were basically just interpreters, although they were armed with the same, you know, stuff that we had. But, uh, yeah, it, uh, we had three of them. And I found out later they none of them made it, but uh, it was Nam, Boo, and Get. Yeah. And they were really great guys. And and so you trusted them then? You did trust them? Well, to a degree. Right. Because, I mean, I've seen them work them over. Right. We'd catch somebody, and they'd be right in there doing the interrogation. You right, know? right. And uh, sometimes that wasn't pretty. So. Oh, I bet, yeah. But, you know— uh, but they say Nam, he was the one that uh, he was a, a Viet Cong, and they threw him out because he said he was a mortarman, right? And he was the boss of it. And I don't know how, how the rank went or anything, but he set up into a timber and both uh, real low lying branches. And when they opened fire, he killed a bunch of his own men because they were impacting the trees and, and on top and, of and them. And detonating. And detonating and destroying his own men. Oh, but darn. <laughs> and who knows how many. So they right. threw him out. Right. He had nowhere to go, you know, so he had to come over. I'll be darned. Yeah, but, you know, it's just a weird thing that happens, you know, in, in warfare, you know. Sure. There's always turncoats no matter where you go. Yeah, right. You know. Yeah. Um, the day that you were farming and you for years you talked about you'd went into a tunnel right yeah do you mind telling that story well yeah it, it was up in the hobo woods and it, all of a sudden there was a well it was a spider hole and, and how they well we thought it was just a spider hole and then all of a sudden it opened up to it would be about the size of that main room about like a small a small garage, but but and about the peak of a, what a small garage would be. Okay. And there was a tunnel going off on it, and we we searched the tunnel, and all of a sudden there was just a a green pipe coming up. Well, it was a bamboo pipe, but it was green. I thought, well, that's weird. Well, I was they're just using it for support. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I never thought another thing about it, and but the way they would. Uh, cook in the evenings that they would throw the ashes there was a ladder actually going down into this hole that's how big it was it wasn't no after coal down then it opens up uh, the remarkable thing was that they would the fire was real close to that hole so if the smoke got too much they'd just shove the ashes into that hole and pull the lid down and so there would be no smoke and it was enough room that they build small fires to start with you know right and uh, so that was effective, and I found, uh, well, I have a uh, Ho Chi Minh greeting card. So, you know, we're talking, you know, NVA there. And I think you've still got that, don't you? Uh, yeah, it's yeah. in a safety deposit box. Yeah. You know. Right. Well, the paper's for that pistol, too. Sure. Yeah. yeah. But, uh, yeah. And pictures of his wife and all that. And I, ah, that's too personal. I ain't going to keep that. So I just threw it back. Right. I left it there. It was all wrapped up into a handkerchief. You could tell it was a prized possession, and I'm sure he really regretted uh, losing it, but I'm not sure he got it back. But as we're leaving that day, there was a LERP team. I say, I was with one was with line company, and a LERP team was getting off. The very choppers that was landed to pick us up. Right. So they thought we'd all gone. So, yeah, yeah it's kind of weird. But, 
but I remember you telling me that that you always wondered, but they were underneath you. Right. You figured out one day you were, you were on the farm. Oh, it hit me like a rock. Oh, you dummy. You knew it. You, you knew it. And, and then you let it go by. Yeah. Because a couple hundred pounds of uh, uh, shape charges of TNT, and uh, we could have opened up the world on them. Sure. Yeah. You know, but yeah. it, it wasn't to be. Yeah. But I wasn't the only guy in there. It was two or three of us. Right. And so they missed it too. So I guess, right. you know, I can share the blame. Yeah. But that was a, ended up, that was one of the biggest complexes. That was bigger than Coochie even. And in Coochie, I think they told us that when we'd go in and map it and do all that, mm-hmm. crawl them tunnels and stuff, we never had any real big rooms in them. It was mostly just all crawling, at least the part that I went through. That was supposedly we did a mile underground, you know, but I don't believe that. I'd say. Holy well, cow, man, that, that's yeah. a long way. Yeah, yeah, that's a big day. But um, I looked at it as a, a, maybe a quarter. Right. If, if that. Yeah. Because a mile, that's well, that's forever, right? You know? Yeah, yeah. I can, you yeah, know. I can only imagine. Um, so you're wrapping up your time. How, how was it as your time was getting closer? I, you know, you always hear the stories of you know, man, you're getting down towards the end, and you really yeah. start getting nervous, and you really start thinking about stuff. Sure, and, you sure. Know. Yeah. Well, you, well, you start first of all, you don't think you're ever going home, and. Then they start offering you things, too. Well, hey, you know, maybe I am going home. And then he said, well, you got six months because it's two-year in, uh, uh, enlistment. Yeah. yeah, enlistment. And, and so you had uh, uh, six months to, to do back in the States. But if you stayed three months longer than when you left Vietnam, you, you'd go uh, back to uh, California and they'd Write you up, whatever. And no, you and yeah, and away you went. Right. And I thought, you know, I ain't lost nothing over here, and I ain't going to stay to find it. I don't blame you. <laughs> you yeah. Because how can you find something you ain't lost? Uh, there you go. You know. Right. And uh, so anyway, uh, I went home, but I had one guy, uh, Powers, and he did that. And uh, two or three weeks later on me, but he got killed the day, the second day that I was back in the rear. Uh Takes three days to process to back to the world, and and he got killed. But you know he wouldn't have made it anyway. But he was going to stay, you know. But so you out process. The army does a good job of training you up. They do right. a good job of getting you ready. All right. They don't do a very good job of getting you ready to go back to being a civilian, do they? No, not really. No, when you know back in those days, uh, other than family. You know, the, well, the press and everybody didn't think much of you. You know, I had a lot of protests. I remember, yeah, uh, whenever I was, Ty had graduated basic training. At the same weekend, I graduated airborne school. And the, so the family, you remember that? Everybody right. went down oh, to yeah. Fort Benning, Georgia. Right. And I remember we were at the, uh, or no, maybe, maybe this was when I was back. No, I, I think I was out of the Army. Maybe Ty was back on leave. I, I might be getting that wrong. But, no, but, I think you had it right. But, but we were, well, we're talking about going to, to, we were partying at colleges is what we were talking about. Oh. And, you know, there was there was a bar that we would go to, and there was a college there. Well, there's college girls. This is when I was down in Louisiana. Anyway, he was in North Carolina. I think they may have went to the, like, University of North Carolina, whatever town that is, or Duke, someplace him and his buddies had went up to. And uh, 
I remember you just were like, you partied with college girls. And that was just like such a big thing for you because when you were in, if you guys would have went to a college, they would have ran you. I mean, they hated you. Yeah. Yeah. You guys were despised. You well, were, I did go to a junior college for a while, and, and you had girls on both sides. If well, they, you know. Sure. But, I mean, like, just it, later it, on, yeah. I mean, welcomed. <laughs> yeah. Open arms almost. Yeah, that's incredible. Yeah, yeah for us. Yeah. Yeah, versus, you know, yeah. how how uh, how they were how they viewed you guys at that time, mm-hmm. you know. And, and that, to me, that's – of all the shame of Vietnam and not to get into the whole political stuff, you know, the Gulf of Tonkin, I mean, you know, and whoever the power brokers that are that decided this is what we're going to do for whatever, you know, one of the, the, probably the biggest shame is how you guys were viewed, you know? And I, and I think, uh, you know, of course we realize that now, but people don't realize in the 60s and the 70s and even then through the early 80s, anytime, anytime, well, even through the mid 80s, the late 80s, I would say if there's a, a Vietnam vet, it was, he's always whacked out. He's on drugs or he can't handle it. He's on the right. edge. He's, or, he's almost ready to get a rifle. Oh, yeah. Or a baby killer. He's a baby killer or a rapist. Or, right. And you guys were just in pop culture, um, everything you were viewed in such a negative manner. Right. Um. And to me, that's the biggest shame of all of it, because all you were doing was what you were told. Right. You know, and at the time you thought you were doing, you're doing your patriotic duty to God and country, and we're stopping the plight of communism. Yep. Yep. That was it. And, but, and we did our part, just uh, the world as we called it didn't do theirs. That's right. But, uh, you know, that's on them. It ain't on The me. politicians didn't do their part. Right. Right. Uh, I know. I have a couple buddies that that they get such a kick out of uh, of your quote. They said, "Well, if they wanted to send me to kill communists, why'd they send me to Vietnam? They right. could have sent me to Champagne, right? Because yeah. there were communists running for what chancellor of the universe something. or something. Yeah, it was some menial thing. But uh, yeah, it was it was a, well, it was actually the first time I could vote. Yeah, and I started going through. And I thought, Boy, I can't believe. And it. you saw a communist on the ballot. Yeah. Yeah. And here you are going to fight a bunch of poor people that just, you know. <laughs> yeah. 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 And yeah. then poor people, you know, hardworking uh, Vietnamese. Sure. I mean, just great people, really. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, that's a shame we had to destroy a whole bunch of them, but, you know. So how many how many days from the time you were, you were in Vietnam to where you were back on the farm in Illinois? Oh, let's see. Uh, three days uh, uh well, you call it D Rose or whatever. Get all your paper, your yeah, I can't shop remember. record and everything. It took a, I think it's three days, and then on the third day you're flying out, and then probably a day in transit between yeah. layovers. Right. And that. And then right. where'd they pick you up at? St. Louis? No. Well, actually, I flew into uh, California, and then I flew. Uh, I got, got my papers and pay, and then I flew from California. San Francisco, I went from, what was it, Wright Air Force Base, I think, or something. I, I can't no, I recall. I remember, yeah. And, uh, and then went to San Francisco, basically, and, and then uh, flew out, went to uh, St. Louis. That was weird, too, because uh, I hadn't used a telephone. I'd used an R, you know, uh, PRC-25 a few times which, but, which is the radio the, the yeah, yeah yeah military radio but but uh 
I would use them frequently, but all of a sudden, yeah, military standards, and I'm in there, and I'm going to call the folks and tell them I'm heading home. Right. You know, that I'm in St. Louis, because I got a 16- or 18-day drop out of 365 days in. Right. And so I thought, well, I, so I sat down, and boy, I'm just happy as hell, because I'm in St. Louis now. Yeah, you're I home. Mean, if I have to, I can walk Yeah, home. that's right. You know, it's a couple hundred miles or whatever. Right. I can do it. Yeah. You know. And uh, all I got to do is cross that river. Uh, you know? That's it, yeah. And uh, so anyway, I sit down in that phone booth and I'm, I start to dial. And I, I couldn't remember the folks' number. <laughs> uh, yeah. And so I sit there for a little bit. And all uh, of a sudden, man, I, I know, I know. It. And then, bing, there it come up. Yeah. And I dialed. And, yeah. and uh, of course, mom was crying. And, you know. Oh, sure. Yeah. It was something. Yeah, yeah. that is awesome. Yeah. And then I uh, flew into, from St. Louis, I flew into Decatur. So they pick you up in Decatur. Right. So right. four or five days? That had been about the fourth or fifth day. Yeah. 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 So four or five days before you're in Vietnam. Well, in the field. In the field. And then, and then now you're right. home. Right. That that that's that's remarkable. That isn't much downtime, is it? Oh no. I remember grandma telling a story one time that you were you you weren't sleeping well or something. This is you know, you just got back and you were you got up to eat man they had a party for you or something or maybe she'd made a pot something and you were up eating it and she had woke up and it's either late at night early in the morning or in the middle of the night i don't remember exactly but she walked in and seen you and was like well harold what are you doing in the dark and she flipped the light on and you boom you jumped up (laughs) oh yeah 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 well you wasn't used to it yeah because if you're in the middle you know just a week ago a few days ago if you're in complete darkness and all of a sudden, boom, there's a light on you, there's a problem. You're, oh, yeah. 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 Yeah, you didn't even, well, you liked it, but like when the flare would go off, you know, because you, you was trained to use just one eye. Right. Yep. You yep. know, but human nature. Sure. I, I was not that disciplined. I I wasn't that smart, I guess. Right. I was like, oh, man. Yeah, what's you that? Know, yeah. A million candle power flare. Right. You know? Yeah. But uh, yeah, but yeah. Well, it's weird. I got, like I said, I got back and and uh, I went to a party because I had thirty days, or thir- yeah, not thirty. I had sixty. I had six months, but I had a month vacation. Right. You had thirty days, and then right. and then before you went back, because you still had to complete your enlistment. Right. I still which, had six months to go, which was the rest of your enlistment you did in Fort Bragg, North Carolina. Right. Right. But, but you had a month at home before you had to report to Bragg. Right. right. But it's funny we go to a party at night, and you know how like you got just a a, a pole light, and then how it angles down in the light pattern, and mm-hmm. then outside of that it's dark. Right, yeah. And then inside, it's light. Right. You know, there's and, a little transition period. And, of course, we're all standing around drinking beer and laughing. And, of course, there's girls there and this and that. And, and all of a sudden, they go, well, Harold, what are you doing standing over there? And I'd be in the dark. And it's, oh, I, and I come back over, and then pretty soon, I just ease away from it. It's just, and, and you smell and you hear things better and different than you ever did before you know yeah your senses were were so acute I, 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 yeah you know i can remember this is not not to i well i guess i am making a comparison but on a much lighter note i can remember in basic training 
Because, you know, when I went in, it was all men. You know, I was combat MOS. It's all men. And I can remember we were probably week six or seven. We were outside. Uh, we were shining our boots. They had us out. And all of a sudden, I, I remember I just threw my head. I, I smelled a woman. Mm-hmm. I smelled her before I saw her. Right. And it's like other guys. You can, And we're like, and then here she comes walking through. I don't know. She was military. She had a uniform on. She walked in, you know. Um yeah, I, I can't imagine. I, and then I've I've got another buddy that was a Marine, um, and he he talked about he was in Desert Storm, and he talked about the same thing. The first time he's back, you, you could smell a woman before you know. Right. So I can imagine if you're you know in yeah. Vietnam, and because you, you're around, you're not around. I mean, you're around a whole nother culture, a whole nother. I mean, right. plant life, animal life, right. the whole thing. And then now you're back with Americans and American hygiene and American women with perfume and deodorants and whatever yeah well and it's funny because i had a a clean pair of fatigues on the jungle Uh fatigues uh coming back and i mean i there was i had them starched and a whole bit sure i knew i was getting out because you get all that done in a day's time you know and uh, that's what i'm wearing wear home and then you turn your other gear in you know right and so there I was doing all that, and, and uh, I wore them back to the States. And, of course, when they got to California, they put me in a new uh, uniform, and they had all the ribbons and everything, you know, that you were uh, allowed to have. And uh, got all that done, and so I put my jungle fatigues in. And Mom went, got into them as a dude. Oh, she, boy, I can't believe how they stink. You know, <laughs> oh man, yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, you know, there'd be times you wear them for a week, yeah, you yeah. Know, oh, yeah, they were sure. changed, yeah, yeah. yeah. But uh, well, there was a night you spent, I remember you know, the whole night in the water. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Boy, you, your feet and your hands will end up being like prunes, oh, yeah, you know, and really tender, too. Yeah, yeah. I remember one night, uh, well, we was gonna blow, we got to intel, they was gonna blow this bridge, so they sent four of us out to to set up an ambush for him. And uh, where I was told to go, the water was particularly deep. So, and it's funny how you can, mud can become a friend and body just kind of squeeze down into it. And I kept all my uh, ammo, my clips or magazines, and I put them on my shoulder. And I top, put my, leaned up against the bank. And then I had my rifle. I had my rifle on top of my shoulder too to keep it out of the water right yeah and you take better you take better care of your rifle than you do yourself sure you know and i remember you said you like to carry your magazines in uh, a claymore bag right yeah right that's but then and occasionally i'd carry uh, uh well oftentimes i'd carry another uh speed loaders you know what mm-hmm. i mean a bandolier of them right so you know you always have back that's quite a few rounds yeah yeah, but yeah. there again, we only put eighteen rounds in the twenty-round clip. Right, and so you want to save the springs was the weight that was the thinking at the time. Right, right. and and uh, and uh, the NVA and the Viet Cong, uh, they had thirty rounders. Yeah, and really a better round. Yeah, that well, yeah, it's seven six two by thirty nine. I mean, that's well, it's a thirty caliber versus, you know, our uh, five five six is a two twenty three, which is just a big twenty two. I mean, right. yeah, yeah. Yeah, but it's very effective round. Oh yeah, but not in brush. Right, you know, high foliage. It's 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 weak. Sure. Um, because I've lost kills because of it. But, right. Yeah. yeah. But 
hitting and deflecting and, and right. all of that. Well, they blow up. Right, you know, yeah. If they hit the right stuff. Sure. Um, well, Pop, I appreciate this. Well, thank you, son. That, I do, too. It's kind of interesting. Yeah, you know, well. Never done anything well, like this. Well, I haven't either. <laughs> hey, this is the, <laughs> this, number one. This is the first time. And uh, one thing I want to close with is uh, Carter Bland had looked this up and told me, and I and I looked it up and verified it. Between 1965 to 1972, according to the Department of Defense, they trained 700 tunnel rats. Hmm. So I figure you're close to the middle. And I was talking to Ty the other night, and we kind of joked. I said, well, should, should we call him 350? And he's like, yeah, he's number 350. <laughs> so we kind of agreed on that. So that you're number 350 in our mind. But you think only 700 men that actually – and, again, you hear a lot of guys claim it. But, um, yeah. yeah. Well, I, you know, when I took that uh, training back at Coochie, they wanted to give me a, a diploma, but they'd run out. Yeah. I said, well, I didn't care about it anyway. Right. I just wonder if the 25th Division – has any records of who went and who did it'd be interesting that would be that'd neat be, to try to find it'd be verification you know? absolutely yeah. absolutely but, you know but it doesn't matter right well but, i remember but, but it'd be it'd be different for family history later on you know absolutely yeah so that'd be the only thing because can you imagine if we could have talked to our kinfolk that fought in the civil war or the revolution you know or oh, you yeah. know or god yeah. it'd have been great if i could have sat down and talked with grandpa right you know? well but, and what they look like you know, you see a picture of what's his voice like, you know, all that. So it's sure it, it kind of makes it more personal, I would think. Yeah. But, you know, heck, they might not care either. Yeah. You, know? <laughs> so well, you yeah. don't know. Yeah, you never know, I yeah. guess. Yeah. But uh, uh, warmongers. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. Um, well, but every right that they, that anybody's ever had has been one at the end of a gun barrel because of men like you that were out there carrying them. So, well, yeah, I suppose so. Yep. Well, God bless you, Dad. Thank you so much for coming in. Love you, Pop. And uh, we're going to do this one again. Okay. All, All right. right. Thank you, son. All righty. Take Bye. care.